0: What up, everybody? Welcome to Keeping It 9450, real basketball talk, no hot takes. I'm your host, Daniel Artest, and today we are talking player development. I have with me my guy, Gabe Gibbs. He's the founder of G2 Basketball Academy in British Columbia. He's also a part of the Pierce Sweat um, basketball camp as a licensed trainer, led by NBA player development leader, uh, Drew Hanlon. But the first thing we gotta talk about is how we met, me and Gabe. You know, um, a little quick backstory. I was hooping in the Beverly Hills Men's League, and and you, you know, you was in Ron's house, and I was kind of heated. I'm like, hey, I ain't got enough guys to play in this game today, and I asked you to play. <laughs> I asked you to play, and you know, well, you know, you you came and played, and you know, what, you finished the story, man. Like, like how we how we you know connected, yeah. you know, via basketball and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... You know, that was, like, one of the first times I met, met you and you just randomly asked, like, hey, I need someone to fill in for the game. We need a couple players. And um, I was like, all right, bet. I was like, um, get to the gym. You know, the game's going crazy. Uh, it comes down to, to uh, like, the last final second, you know, and I hit the pull-up J, and then, you know, game's over. You know, so it was a perfect introduction to, like, to the RTS family, you know, to show my... <laughs> Legitimacy, you know, and uh, validate, verify my abilities as a baller, you know, yeah. in front of the, you know, our test. I was so dope. I was That's so glad right. I hit that shot.
0: Yeah, and, definitely, definitely. Cause we needed that win too. <laughs> but um, like the fir- <laughs> the first thing I remember watching your game was like how polished you were, you know, from the handles, the rebounding, the shooting, the passing, like everything that you teach yeah. right now with you know all the fundamentals. Like you put it all all together. So like. What ultimately led you to to this lifestyle of being a player development coach?
1: Well, ultimately led to it was just my abilities And, like, really I had a passion for just helping people in general. Um, I had a passion for helping myself and just wanting to learn on all facets of the game. So, you know, being shorter in the beginning of my playing days, you know, and being the shortest in class, I was, you know, put at one position. And then I hit a growth spurt around grade 10 from five, six to six foot two. And from there I was put into another position of, you know, playing power forward or the more forward position. Then the, the next year I grew, you know, another three inches or so. Now I'm six foot five. So I'm into like the, the power forward and center. I'm into the power forward and center position from there. And um, it, the transition transition um, from being a guard to like forward and center allowed me to like carry for all of the skills I learned as a guard into the power forward or the small forward position and then all of the skills I learned from the small forward and power forward position into the center. So by the time, you know, I'm in college or I'm in my senior year of high school, I'm able to offer a whole variety, you know, of really diverse games and you know, create a lot more mismatches for true centers if I'm playing in a center position. So I never really felt boxed in. And that from there, like, gave me a well-rounded scope of what I feel player development should be.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. You got to have everything. Just like we said before the show, when I was telling you about my son, uh Elijah, and his mm-hmm. game and stuff. And, um, you know, you said, you know, basically, you know, sprinkle it, sprinkle everybody around. And that's what it looked like with your game because you, you could do that. You had the, you know, the skill to play on the perimeter. You have the, you know... The acumen, yeah. the play in the post as well and stuff. So I think that was pretty mm. cool. I think that was pretty cool hooping with you. And that's funny because that's like the only time we hooped. You know what I mean? I wish you would have got it in some yeah, more I and know. stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that I. That was the only you. time. One and done. One and done. That was. You it, know? Yeah. One and done. <laughs> that's funny. But um, yeah, so speaking of that, like how, like what, what's the backstory on how you met Ron? Because like, you know, y'all met. All of a sudden, yeah. you're in China. You're, you know, you're in the crib and stuff. You coming around all the time.
1: Like, so how how did y'all meet? How we met was, um, I had just moved to Vancouver, Canada. Uh-huh. Um, I have seen on Twitter, you know, this is, a, you know, I was seen on Twitter. Ron Test was in town, and um, he kept popping up on Twitter in front of all of these these gyms, and you know, it was with a lot of, you know, I mean the. the the groups of kids that he was playing with or just taking photos with were, you know, yay high. you know, the Asian, a lot of Asian community. You know, he went to Richmond, he went to this city where there's a lot of Asian community and basketball over there. And I was just wondering, I was like, man, this is one of my favorite ball players, like in NBA, like I really enjoy like watching Ron. Me and my brothers love Ron Artest. So I was like, let me invite him out. You know, we got a couple... Elite runs that we were organizing in Vancouver, really in the city called Coquitlam. Um, we organized a couple of open gyms and some adult drop-in runs, and I just invited him through Twitter. You know, with no expectations that he'll respond to anything at all. Uh-huh. And uh, at the time, I'm playing Call of Duty. I'm with my guy Nick, and I said, um, "Let me tweet. Let me tweet this guy. He keeps showing up in every feed." Hey, get on the phone open gym eight o'clock Coquitlam. It's a good run. Come out, you know, <laughs> something simple like that. Yeah. And, uh, within like a couple minutes, I got a notification that he tweeted back and he asked, was there any good competition? And then I tweeted, I said, yeah, we've got six, eight, six, seven, you know, college guys, some former pros. There's enough there to give you a good run for sure. Yeah. And then he followed me from there and said, send me the address. And then, uh, that's how we officially like met and then we met at the gym and he pulled up with um, uh, a buddy of his uh, named Lucky uh, who was uh, here on his trip, you know, doing a lot of film and a lot of, you know, documenting his uh, trip in Vancouver. Yeah. Shout out. To and yeah. Yeah. He uh, pulled up and he said, um, Hey, can we still play? I said, yeah, you're on my spot. And then he caught up and we ran the gym the whole night. We didn't lose a game. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's You know, so, it was a pretty good experience. It was another. It was a lot of ballers in there. It was, um, you know, Joey came through a bowl. You know, um, no, sorry, it wasn't bowl. It was. It was one player that was that was given him a really good competitive like drive on both ends of the floor.
0: Yeah.
1: And the games that was that we were playing was so competitive. You know, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't easy. But it was just enough, like I said, enough competition to give him a really good run. And at the end of it, he enjoyed it. He said, hey, you know, hit me up. You know, I love to um, come out again. Uh, this is great. Like, while I'm in town, you know, I could use this. So from there, we just been vibing. We set up a few more runs, and we connected just like that at the gym on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, that's Ron right there, man. I, I remember, you know, times mm-hmm. where, like, We'll be driving somewhere and, you know, we'll see like a, a game going on in the court and we always stay prepared with shoes uh-huh. in the car and a ball and we get out and just go hoop random. And I also remember when Ron was, um when he was with the Pacers and he would go to the hoods of whatever city he was at on the road and go play. He, I mean, he did it in Detroit uh-huh. after the whole entire situation and stuff. Like he did it in Detroit and everything. That dude is a gamer yeah. man. he really loved the game of basketball. And like it's just it's just funny that yeah. you say that story because like it's it's all that's just him. Like I remember like even at his best, cause you know, you don't see a lot of NBA players playing street ball in the summer, especially like the known no. guys and stuff like Ron was out there for I wanna say when from his first year in the league to about maybe like year number eleven every summer in New York playing street ball. Out there just hustling, grinding and mm-hmm. stuff, indoor and outdoor. So like that's when he when he wanted to play out there in BC, you know that's that's what he was looking for and, I, and i'm glad that y'all you know y'all linked up um before we move on though we gotta talk yeah, about. yeah man yeah go ahead
1: it was crazy He needed shoes and everything He needed a whole outfit you know i had to bring a whole outfit for this guy he was coming from whistler and i had to go source all of these last minute items you know size 16 shoe and some shorts and a shirt and everything like that and you know get together a couple guys to play and um it was just a real good turnout, you know, and um, it, it it wouldn't it couldn't have ended better with him going back and forth with a bowl calm for game winning shot. They were literally going at it, point for point, point for point, point for point, and and I'm just glad we were able to provide an environment that he can feel um competitive in and not have to hold back and just play ball. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's super dope. So like we got to talk about Canadian basketball real quick because I mean the yeah. talent across that country. You know, it's everywhere. I know, like you know, we talk about when you talk about Canadian basketball, we definitely want to talk about like the Toronto area. That's where a lot of the talent is at. But mm-hmm. like, just, 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 you know, Canada, you know, as a country, has just been exploding. We got, um, you know, we got guys, um, like right now, and that was an NCAA tournament, and um. Arizona, uh, Benedict Matherin. Like, I think that he's, like, one of the top Mm -hmm. draft picks and stuff like that um, coming out. You know, uh, I think my first Mm -hmm. introduction to Canada was playing uh, Denim Brown, man, that went to UConn and stuff, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. the way, you know, you got Andrew Wiggins, Tristan Thompson, you know, uh, Dylan Brooks. I know I'm leaving a lot of people out. I know I'm leaving a lot of people out. But tell people, like, the the, the listeners about Canada basketball. I
1: mean, Canada basketball in general is growing. You know, it's growing a lot. Um, the, the traction on like the youth taking it, I guess, serious is starting at a much younger age over the last several years. Um, Toronto has been, I would say the leader as far as like producing the, the more serious talent at this point And then going into the NBA, I mean, a lot of guys from, you know, Eastern Canada areas going into the draft, you know, top number one picks, you know, the R.J. Barrett there, Wiggins, Bennett, you know, uh, you know, shy, you know, it's a lot of a lot of talent coming from the East Coast for sure. Yeah. Um, so in general, like, they're leading it, but as, as a whole, I think Canada is growing and it's just slowly trickling across the entire map of Canada, like into the West Coast. Um, so it is talent here. There's a lot of talent here. Um, exposing and exposure-wise, I feel that some of it get left on the table, you know, from, from areas that are, you know, not really as exposed, and you know, more on the islands. And you know, I ran across a you'll you run across a couple of six foot six and six foot seven guys, you know, when they're in grade twelve or yeah. going into college. Yeah. And then, and uh-huh. I have always asked myself, like, man, where where have you been? Like, why do I not know about you right yeah. now? Why am I just now finding out about you? So there's definitely a lot of hidden gems in Canada, yeah. and um, the more and more success that they have individually you know it, it should create a triple and a domino effect you know hopefully that's the that would be the idea that i would like to see
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely and um you know since since uh yeah, I, I, We're I, growing. yeah I know it, it, it's it's going to be um i think in the next five to ten years man it's going to be really it's going to be really different man for you know Canada basketball as a whole and stuff. That's why I sometimes wish that you know, like the Grizzlies didn't leave Canada because you know, obviously with the Raptors mm-hmm. and Vince Carter and how it blew up right there. You know, you know what I mean. But that's only on one side of the, yeah. the country and stuff. Now, if you would have had more NBA basketball influence, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, on that side of the country, you know, what I mean, I think that it yeah, would, it would blow up too as well.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, it could be, you know, maybe at that time you know, basketball on this side of town wasn't as, you know, taken as serious, you know, um, I can't say that for sure, but I know at this point, like, where where we see basketball, like, on this side of town now, yeah. I do feel like uh, Vancouver Grizzlies would be, you know, thriving, you yeah. know, um, or, you know, Seattle, you know, would be thriving, but both of those teams in this area have left, and um, you know, hopefully there, there'll be something to come back in the future, but uh, it is ready community-wise and like interest-wise and just people you know thriving to be successful in the basketball game. Uh, I think it's ready for a team. You know, definitely 100. Cool, cool,
0: cool. So, like, um, since you know I've seen you train players, you know, what I mean from all levels, all positions. Like, how do you navigate through the different styles of play for each player? You know, when you're training them.
1: Well, mm-hmm. all, you know, creating a plan and like really getting to understand what your what the player in front of you needs currently, like right now, and then understanding what they need, like in the future, because what they may need, what they may want is maybe not what they need currently, but it is something that will be very useful for them, like later down in their career. So you want to sort of build up towards that, you know, um, and like sprinkle those type of, you know, development pieces into their game over the course of, you know, two years, three years, depending on how much time you have with them. Um, You know, if they're a freshman in college, you know, and they're starting off at the power forward position, we work on, you know, the pieces where they're going to actually see in game. You know, let's let's really master what you're going to get in game, the type of minutes you'll get in game and what you'll be doing with the ball in game. Year two, you know, you sprinkle in a little bit more. You know, year three, we definitely want to sprinkle in shooting ability. We want to start working on that beforehand so that by year three or year four um you know that shooting ability is there you know regardless of that player getting the amount of game minutes you know to shoot the ball doesn't mean we can't work on those things prior to so we sort of want to sprinkle those things in there and then plan it to come to fruition like later down the line so it's not introduced to them as just something totally brand new um so I like to take a, a, a full, like I always like the players I work with to have abilities from each and every position, um, skill sets from each and every position and the amount of volume like they use in the game will always vary. But we should still have, you know, the ability to have it in our back pocket to some degree. Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's what's so dope about it, because like, you know, and I, you notice I say player development. Coach, when I when mm-hmm. I talk to you, I don't say basketball trainers. There's a difference, you know what I mean? And yeah. I say I say it like a basketball trainer, they're practicing mm-hmm. um, you know, ten thousand different moves where you're just gonna practice that one move yeah. ten thousand times. You know what I mean? And, and um and also, mm-hmm. you know, building a foundation. Because a basketball player is like a house. You gotta build a foundation first, you gotta pour cement on it, then you got the foundation the stuff to keep the house stabilized and everything. You know, kind of like yeah, like when you look at Kyrie Irving's game like how you say you want your players to be well-rounded, you know, Kyrie Irving got the post work from both yep. sides of the block, mid range, long range, you yep. know, he could finish at the rim. He could yep. finish over both shoulders with the jump hooks as a guard. So yeah, you want to, yep. you know, um, have your, your players well-rounded. So I'm um, well-rounded. So when they're, when they're in the game and especially in the trenches of the game, they can, you mm-hmm. know, adjust and adapt to, you know, any type of situation. And um I didn't even write this question down, but I'm glad that I said that. Like, What's your like when you, your training methods, as far as like getting the players, you know, mentally ready? You know, I, I I speak to certain kids, you know, in New York City about the mindset of of the game and stuff like that because I'm in South Carolina, so I can't train them, you know, and you know in person, but I can definitely, you know, share my stories of a basketball player or you know certain situations, uh-huh. you know, in my life. Like, so how you get them ready for that?
1: Get them ready for just like being successful or just being ready for the game or just
0: like just like the the, the, the mental approach of it because alright let's think about it like this game yeah. right basketball is essentially you know a business when you're trying to make it to a professional level right and I'm gonna just be honest and mm-hmm. cut and dry with it when I was coming up when I was playing yep. and I was in college and coaches was bringing in different you know power forwards and centers you know what I mean to try to support yeah. me because I'm a, you know I'm, a, I'm an undersized big man you know what I'm saying but you know I get busy too mm-hmm. so I always look at it like Right. Damn, these people were trying to take food out of my mouth you know what I mean or, or any tryout yeah. or something like yeah. that so I always went with the mindset like hey nobody can eat on my watch I if you got a family then you all all starving and stuff like that that's basically yeah. what it is at the end of the day before you know these coaches bring in if you can believe it and you can achieve everything you go to it but let's think about it when you want to make basketball mm-hmm. your business you know it's a cutthroat business yeah. as far as like that because if you don't make a tryout yeah. you're going to get out of there so how you prepare your players like on that, on that mental level
1: I mean that's a that's a daily battle you know with some guys you know no. here in Vancouver that I find you know because you know they they haven't experienced you know the the areas that I grew up in in Detroit and um, just in the states in general
0: yeah.
1: a lot of kids here haven't experienced that type of um competition on a consistent basis yeah so we have a lot of good players, not sorry we have some good players and then we have some decent players and we got some guys that are intermediate that's learning and would love to be, you know, better than what they are. Yeah. So from team to team you get a few studs, you get a few guys that are on development and you know, a couple guys see more success than everyone. So there isn't much to gauge how great they are until they experience someone who's on that same, you know, dog fight, you know, someone's on that same line as them you know, maybe in the States. And they meet that, So you know, sometimes here against other teams, but not as consistent as I would in the States. So having the mental preparation is like really important to, to make sure they're not just using what's in front of them as the, the barrier or like as the, like don't gauge your success off of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is great, build on top of it. But think about it this way. There's someone else, doing exactly what you are doing and if not possibly more yeah and who wanted it as bad as you do yeah. so don't use this as like the baseline this is just something to show you engage where you are but assume there's someone else doing what you're doing so mentally you know uh trying to give them the guys that are not there give them hope and the guys that are there keep pushing them got to keep stretching. You know, um, it doesn't stop here. This is just the beginning. You're on the right track. You're on the right path. But let's continue to stretch. Let's continue to grow. You know, um, there's a lot more guys out there and a lot more competition who want it just as bad as you do. Yes. So the the there's a battle with some guys who get it and some guys who don't. And for the guys who don't get it, you know, they they plateau. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You know, and the guys who do get it, they continue to grow. They they, they become coachable and their pathways and their careers are a lot longer. Yeah. You know, um, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't have it easy and I'm a pretty good, damn, I'm a damn good ball player. Yeah. You know, um, but at the same time, I didn't get into college basketball until two years after high school. Like, mm. that's how. Not how bad I was, but that's how much I had to work after high school. Yeah. Right? So are you going to continue working for two years after high school if the result that you wanted didn't come right after high school? I wanted to go play college after high school. 100% I did. Yeah. But I wasn't good enough. Or maybe I didn't have the right opportunities. So from there, I had to decide what I was going to continue what I started yep. to get to the end goal of playing college basketball. and that regardless of how many years it took I did that and it took me two years hmm. some people would take one year some people would take zero they go right out of high school but that wasn't my pathway and um I didn't let the result of not going to college after high school dictate you know my um, work ethic and how long I was going to continue working towards that end goal of playing in college Yeah, well, I bet, shoot, that, that, that's
0: how I was when I was coming out of high school and um it took me like a mm-hmm. like a year and a half to to get into college and stuff man cuz I never played in high school cuz of my grades and everything and being a an knucklehead I didn't get the opportunity mm-hmm. to play in high school so I just basically got all my stuff off AAU and and playing at Rucker Park man you know <laughs> in, in New York and stuff mm-hmm. like that so yeah it's, uh, the path that everybody takes is is you know is definitely their own is definitely you know it's definitely fun and it makes the journey worth it and stuff cuz you can make something out of it and then looking back you know, mm-hmm. from how you develop as a basketball player to where you are now, you're like, yeah, there's different roles and stuff like that. But you know, everybody else's path is, is special and stuff. So, um, yeah, yo, what's your what's your opinion though on on the current state of of training players? You know, now that social media has been a huge part of branding, mm-hmm. you know, branding
1: the art. Yeah. Um, social media has helped. Um, you know, give a a platform to. You know trainers you know skills coach you know coaches in general you know player development you know guys it's, it's giving them a platform to definitely expose you know other avenues and just additional ways you can add value to your to your game yeah. um and it allows us to like teach you know in the in this age where a lot of the youth are you know into social media so it's a digital platform. It gives us that digital footprint, you know, online to connect with with um, with the younger groups. Instagram, TikTok, etc. That's like their emails. So, that's you know, true. they check their emails, you know, all day. You know, um, their real emails, the you know the at Gmail or the Google emails. Like kids don't check that stuff a lot. So, it does give us a platform to connect with kids and youth and just people that want to learn, they have a, um, a resource to go to, to at least start. Now you can't get a full training program from watching Instagram. Like it don't just, you know, but that's just, it can start there to at least pique some interest. And then hopefully the account that they're watching or whoever they're watching is sharing valuable information, not, you know, stuff that they can actually take and apply. And then from there, they can, you know, maybe research or, you know, dig into that person's website or more of their content and then really get some, you know, some valuable information. But it's just the starting point, you know. And some of the platform is used for branding. Some of it is used for clickbait. And then some of it is actually, you know, good information that you can use. Um, Hopefully the, the, the kid that's on there or the athlete that's on there looking at it will be able to decipher what's valuable for him or her and what they can apply for their game, right? Not everything works for everybody, like we said before. And you don't need to work on a thousand things to, to be better. You know, um, I don't need to work on the the handles that Kyrie Irving uses every day in the game because that's not a part of my game. I only need to dribble maybe two to four times to get to where I need to get to. Mm-hmm. I don't need to dribble, you know, eight times, 10 times per session. Not that Kyrie does that, but Kyrie is, is a ball handler. He's a primary ball handler. He's always getting himself out of situations, you know, yeah. and he has to use his handlers to do that. I'm not the player in that position. I'm more of a 3 and more of a wing person, so the athlete has to decide where they are in the game and yeah. what really relates to their game experience minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Take this piece out, okay. Take that out, okay. Let's apply that. Let's just work on these things. Yeah. So, I like the I like the social media part. You know, it gives us a place to speak, and um, you know, give the the community a chance to like choose. It gives them a choice. Yeah. You know, and they have several and so many choices to choose from. It's, it's a way that they can sprinkle a lot sprinkle around a lot of information, and they get so much of it. But we have to be great teachers and have hopefully have a mentor beside them to help, you know, decipher a lot of this information that they're gonna be seeing, you know, throughout the throughout the year.
0: Yeah. yeah. You made a great point. You made a great point about the um the dribble aspect of the game and the fact that you just really need 3 to 4 dribbles and stuff like and you know yeah Kyrie mm-hmm. uses a lot of dribbles or whatever but at the same time he has that 3 to 4 dribble fundamentals to really get to his shot and stuff i just mm-hmm. i always always tell these kids like listen all right i get it you like the the kyries the hardens and stuff like that but you got to understand as well mm-hmm. underneath all of that is solid fundamentals you know what I'm saying? And once you yeah. master those fundamentals, then you can add on and do all the extra stuff. So I thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. point that you made.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you I mean if you watch film, if you watch Kyrie, you some people will see it, oh, he's dribbling a lot. He probably is dribbling a lot. But when you look at when it's time to attack, when it's time to actually take a shot, how many dribbles actually were, you know, put into the drive? from three point line to the rim or from three point line to the free throw. Whenever he started to make this attack and then stop, it's probably under four dribbles, under three dribbles at a time. Yeah. You know, um the dribbles before are sometimes set up, set up dribbles. You know, um, you know, getting the defender to lift, getting the defender to, you know, open their stance. And once he gets that read, his attacks aren't gonna be eight dribbles to get to the rim. <laughs> probably be one dribble, two dribble, three dribble, max if needed but everything else is mainly setups
0: yeah that's a good point right there and um Mm -hmm. next question i want to ask you is is like you know you you train nba players too as well and and now that now that you know pro basketball is basically is gravitated to the the three and lay you know model you know per the analytics now you know as a development Mm -hmm. coach like How how have you adjusted, you know, to training your pro players to fit, you know, their respective schemes and philosophies?
1: Well, you gotta be able to shoot. You gotta be able to knock down shots. That's that's definitely you gotta be able to knock down shots in the league. You know, as you get older, you know, um, you go into the league young, if you're a high flyer the first couple of years, yeah, you're gonna be dunking, you're gonna be making a lot of plays towards the rim. As you get older you're definitely going to need to hit the shot. You're going to be able to knock down the shot and it just helps your game grow in a way where you can actually stay and remain a, you know, a a key player in the league and a respectable player in the league. If you can knock down the shot, I believe um, players need to be able to knock down the open shot. They They need to be able to put the ball on the ground and attack the rim. And, that's really where I focus at, you know, the sprinkling everything else in between, you know, read and react. From there is it should be a given, but I definitely make sure shooting is always applied in the workout, you know, at some point towards the end. Just so getting up a lot of shots, getting up a lot of reps on uh, shooting and a lot of reps on read and react. Because from there, if you can read a defender that's playing drop coverage and you're a driver, well, if he's playing the drop coverage and you use a screen and the big is sagging he's playing drop, we gotta be able to knock down that shot. That's we true. can't just fall into the habits of driving and like and just going into where the defense want you to go or where they're waiting for you. So being able to knock down the shot. Okay. If the defense isn't playing drop coverage and they're they're doing a hard switch or a hard hedge, you know, um, being able to attack the screener and attack downhill is important. Yep. You know, so reads and reacts are important. And having a jump shot, being able to shoot the three or shoot the mid-range is important based on those reads. If you can if you can make the mid-range, you're, you're, you're pretty unique in the league or in the game because the mid-range, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the lowest percentage shots made in the league. So there's only a few guys who have mastered that area DeMar DeRose and Chris Paul, um, to name a few, like they're pretty good, uh, 50%, you know, uh, close to 50% on making mid-range shots. Um, and and that's and the league plays those statistics. They know that it's a lower percentage shot made, so the drop coverage is always there. If you can get to that mid-range and master that, I mean, you'll be s- separating yourself from a lot of people in the league. But shooting is important, to say the least. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, you've, you've been in, involved with the Pear Sweat Camp as well as, you know, doing your own thing. Like, tell us about mm-hmm. that partnership, you know, developed and how it was helping you as yeah. the G2 brand, you know, along the way.
1: Yeah, um, well, in the beginning, you know, uh, I, I met Drew through, you know, um, through Instagram. Uh, I reached out. I've seen a lot of his content being posted. This was around 2016. Um, in the same way, I reached out to Ron, you know, Ron on on Twitter. I reached out to Drew on Instagram, and I said, "I I love your stuff, man. If you're ever in the area, would love to be a fly on the wall and spectate, pick your brain. This is something I want to get involved with. I'm currently involved with, but this is something I want to learn more about. And I just enjoy what I'm seeing from your end. And that was from Instagram. So like that was I saw the shell of information." And for me, I decided that it was something that I can value from. I've seen other people. I just didn't feel like they were the person or the, the organization that I can add value from. Nothing, no shame or no hate. It's just I connected more with Drew and Pure Sweat. And I attended one of his uh, accounts. He was, ni- was nice, generous, and really open with everything that he's going to learn and all of the experiences that he's learned from. And from there, we connected, we stayed in touch. And he invited me down to L.A. for a um, pure sweat skills coach, a pro skills coach um, clinic. And he said, I think this would be great for you. This is the first time I'm doing it. Um, This is something I want to help other trainers and guys that want to get into player development, you know, excel at. So if you're interested, like sign up here. And, uh, and I invested into that, you know, I paid my money. I went down, I flew down to LA, I paid for this event and I saw it as an investment into, you know, my career that I want to, you know, have, you know, longevity in. So since then he's invited me down each and every summer, you know, I went into his mentorship program and that allowed me to sort of work with Drew throughout the year, you know, um, discussions topics you know uh building the business you know branding you know strict strategies and things that that can help me in this business of uh, player development and you know getting the the opportunity to work with him in the summers and assist with nba workouts you know you know work alongside industry experts and just um work with the pros on that level was was an experience that You know, it's not in in the school. You can't get this type of experience, you know, in your backyard. So I was blessed to have it. Um, I've been learning ever since. And this year, you know, I decided, you know, it it became an opportunity to, you know, be more involved with Sweat as a licensed skills coach. And um, me and Drew had that talk, and we we got that done. Um, A couple years ago, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. You know, we had that talk and he let me know. He said, I don't think you're ready yet. You know, um, we got to we got to build a little bit more. We got to do more. So he, he guided me, you know, to the process of being a, w- a well-rounded player development specialist, you know, um, a businessman, uh, a mentor, you know, to some of the younger guys that's following in, in my steps. And I think it was the best uh, best decision to go. You know, I'm, I'm a pure sweat, lights and skills coach. I'm able to you know, attach myself and be affiliated with the brand that I believe in and the brand that I believe is so true about player development that um it falls in line with, with my goals, my belief system and the players that are that I'm working with. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope, so, man.
0: That's dope. And congratulations yeah, man. On that, so by
1: way, man. Uh, yeah man. Yeah, it's good. Um G two, G two athletics and you know, pure sweat you know definitely i have my own brand but like pure sweat is a is a brand that i believe in i believe like g2 is and our goals are aligned with pure sweat and the teachings that i've learned from drew and i'm still learning so it can only help me more to help the people that i'm servicing now and help g2 so i just believe that as a coach or anyone that's involved in player development you have to be willing to invest into your into your beliefs and you know be willing to grow and improve your game like yeah. as a coach you need to improve your game as a player you need to improve your game as a businessman you need to improve your game so take all the opportunities that you can that will that will assist with the with the common goal of improving and that's what i did and i feel like chris White is going to help me do that
0: yeah that's what's up man and um I personally think that yeah. you're, you're one of the best up and coming, you know, player development coaches in this business right now, to be honest. um, You know, especially, you know, with these kids that you have, you know, I remember how they started with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'll be on the Internet. I'll yeah. be, be, um, you know, stalking the Internet and stuff and over the years and and how they <laughs> how they game improved as they moved on to their in their basketball journeys and stuff. But I got to ask, man, this yeah. uh, before we get out of here um. I just wanna know do you have any like you know real coaching aspirations or are you just loving the, the vibes of player development?
1: I love player development, you know, but ultimately there's no buts. I would like to at some point coach in college. Mm. Um, I would like to at some point either be a coach on the uh staff of a you know university NCAA team. And maybe I'll start with player development, you know, within that program. But having a, a core group to work with, like at a university or a college, is like, it's great. You know I mean? You get to consistent four years, the guys understand with what the reason they're there. So, yeah, I definitely want to coach in college, man. Um, you know, NCAA, Div 1, Div 2, uh, whichever one uh, makes sense for me at the time. Ultimately, I think I'll be – I'll be great in any position. Which, whenever I get it, I, I definitely will be great. We'll win. We'll win championships. We'll have a winner mentality. And um, some some college or some university is going to be blessed in the future. I will coach in yeah. the future, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: That's dope. That's dope, man. And uh, I just want to thank mm-hmm. you. I want to thank you for 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 coming on. You know, keep it in ninety four fifty, man. You know, where we have real basketball yeah. talks with none of the hot takes, man. And, and this was a a really dope ass podcast man with, with my dog right here it's dope that we caught up and yes on short notice and everything you did this show i appreciate you um let everybody know where they can reach you at bro
1: hey you can follow you can follow me on instagram at g2athletics you can follow my personal instagram where i post a lot of my training a lot of the my um speakings and anything like that at dibs on gifts that's d-i-b-b-s o-n-g-i-b-b-s and uh, if you want to hit my website, g2athletics.com is where to go.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, I'm Daniel Artez. Yeah, I'm, I'm Daniel Artez. And so, you know, we're going to get out of here. Y'all can follow me at 265 Media on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can also follow the page at Keeping It 9450 on Instagram and Twitter as well. With that being said, I'm Daniel Ortiz. That's Gabe Gibbs. Love is love. Peace out.